Despite all the reports earlier this Tuesday, Kareem Hunt left New Orleans without a deal. Same goes for Anthony Barr, and the Saints dropped their first depth chart heading into the preseason opener. Let's talk about all that right here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is up, Houdat Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I'm your host, Chris Vogel, and as always, this program is brought to you by Scott McNair. Injury lawyers, if you've been injured in any kind of accident, car, truck, 18-wheeler, or hurt offshore, Scott McNair handles it all. You can give him a call at 504-500-1111 for a free consultation. They'll always fight for the win. So let's get it started here on this, was it Tuesday night, August 8th? The Saints do not have a new running back, at least not yet. So coming into today, it felt like Kareem Hunt was going to visit the Saints. There wasn't much to it. But then in the morning, it came out from Diana Rusini of ESPN that the Saints were expected to sign not just Kareem Hunt, but linebacker Anthony Barr if they passed their physicals and they were in shape. That was the direct tweet from her. That was the report led many of us to believe that Kareem Hunt was signing with the Saints, which would have made some sense to a certain degree because... The Saints don't have Alvin Kamara for the first three games of the season. And Eno Benjamin just suffered a ruptured Achilles over the weekend. And then it comes out that Kareem Hunt was leaving New Orleans after what was, quote, a great visit with the Saints. And he's on his way to Indianapolis to meet with the Colts. And then Diana then came out and tweeted that, how about this twist? Kareem Hunt was called by Indy before he even stepped on on the field to work out for the Saints and was offered more money. Now, I'm not here to dunk on anyone's reporting. Diana Rossini's done a lot of great things when it comes to Saints reporting. But man, this was all over the place because you had a very, very large portion of the Saints fan base that was convinced today Kareem Hunt was joining the Saints. Heck, a lot of us, even myself, kind of figured, all right, if Diana's saying it, it's almost a done deal. So I kind of figured Kareem Hunt would be joining the Saints and it would have been a nice fit for the first three games. I think he would have helped them as a pass catcher. And who knows, maybe he does end up signing with the Saints. But I think if he goes to meet with Indianapolis and the meeting goes well, I think he'll get more money. And I think he'll have a larger role because their situation with Jonathan Taylor, it's not like the Saints situation with Kamara. Saints know they don't have Alvin for three games, but once Alvin comes back, we know whose backfield this is. I'll talk about that in just a second. If he goes to Indy and JT does not have a contract renewed and, and JT's not feeling good about what's going on with Indy, who knows? Maybe it's Kareem Hunt's backfield for a little bit. So for me, I just chalk it up to, I don't want to say bad reporting, which I know some people are pretty frustrated with. As I see in the comments section, I'll pull up some of them, uh, you know, and and I get it because as a fan, you're expecting Anthony Barr, you're expecting Kareem Hunt because God damn it, the reporting literally said expected to sign with the Saints if they pass their physicals, which guess what? They both pass their physicals, but then they don't sign there. So it is very frustrating. I totally get it. I'll talk about in just a second why I'm not too worried about this, but make no mistake about it. it, When someone, especially a very well-known reporter like Diana says is expected to happen and it doesn't, um, something a little off there. I'm not sure exactly what, what went down, but definitely a little shaky reporting in that regard. So let's get into real quick why I'm not worried about this. And there's two factors to it. One, there are running backs everywhere. I mean, if there's one position group that there's a lot of free agents out there that can make a difference for the Saints at the running back spot, it's that one. I mean, we know Kareem Hunt's out there. Ezekiel Elliott's still out there. Dalvin Cook's still out there. Leonard Fournette's still out there. Uh, you know, And then one that I think is an underrated player 
J.D. McKissick, excuse me, he's a pass catcher. And if the Saints are looking for a pass catching running back for three games, why not? I think he could do that. So there'll be options. I think the Saints will be fine. But more importantly, they got Alvin Kamara. Now, I get three games, it's tough. And I think Alvin, you compare him to Kendra Miller, you compare him to Jamal Williams, he does it all. And I, I think for Alvin, what you will miss is the versatility of Saints can do anything with him when he's on the field. And you will miss that. But boy, when he comes back, he's going to be fresh. He's going to be motivated. And he's not going to have that much pressure on him. There's some players when they step on the field this year, especially for the Saints, there's pressure. There's pressure for Derek Carr. There's pressure for Peyton Turner. What pressure is there for Alvin? At the end of the day, that might be the only luxury of playing running back. He's not dealing with a ton of pressure. It's the running back position. But he's going to come in after a year of not being in the top 100, after a year of not being a fantasy football star like he usually is, after dealing with a year of being talked about with the suspension, with what happened in Vegas, and he's going to have a better quarterback around him. He's going to have a better backfield around him. And he's not going to be used like a workhorse back. He's going to be used like the damn Ferrari he is. And you're going to get the best version of Alvin Kamara from week four to week 18. I promise you that. So while I would have liked to have seen Kareem Hunt on the Saints because I think he could have helped him as a pass catcher, if a deal doesn't happen, I promise you I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'm really not. So that's the way I see it. Does it stink? Sure. Do I feel like maybe the Saints might have got used here? Possibly. Because Kareem Hunt, there's no offers. There's no interest throughout the offseason. He's meeting with the Saints, and now all of a sudden, he's got a visit with the Colts. So maybe it was a little bit of a leverage play, and I can't really fault him because the running back position, it happens sometimes. But it's three games. You still got Kendrick Miller. You still got Jamal Williams. You still got someone who's not getting enough credit in Taysom Hill, who I think is going to run the damn rock all over teams. So, yeah, the Saints can use another back. But like I said, Zeke, Fournette, J.D. McKissick, Rex Burkhead, Dalvin Cook. I, I, the running back position is loaded in free agency because, unfortunately, the position gets treated like absolute crap. So the Saints can get another guy out there. We'll see if they do. But it's, it's a frustrating situation, but not a damning one. As for Anthony Barr, he leaves town without a deal as well. I think this situation might be a little bit more aggravating in the sense that the Saints need help at linebacker. Demario's banged up right now. Andrew Dowell's out for the season. And there's not a lot of depth to begin with. I, I mean, we've all said this. If Demario, Pete Werner, if one of them misses time, start saying your prayers and, and just hope and pray, man, because you don't know what you have outside of linebacker for them. Because Caden Ellis, he's gone. He's not here anymore. And maybe DeMarco Jackson takes that leap. So I want to add that, right? There could be a guy right now that we're not talking about that, man, they really, 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 really could use help. And maybe it comes from the, the inside, right? Maybe it comes from DeMarco Jackson. But Anthony Barr, who's no longer a great player, but maybe can be serviceable, you'd like to see a deal get done. And it doesn't. He's going to take more visits, kind of like Kareem Hunt will. And who knows, maybe he goes after whatever top dollar will be, or maybe he just goes for the scheme fit. But either way, it's another one of those situations. It went from expected to sign, all of a sudden, not signing. 
So what happens? We'll see there. He's no longer an elite playmaker, like I said, but the safety depth at linebacker, period. And unlike the running back position, there's not a lot of great options out there at linebacker. Running back, like I said, there's options out there because the running back position is not getting paid right now, unfortunately. Linebackers, on the other hand, we saw with Caden Ellis. Caden Ellis had one good year, and he got paid. So it's different for every position. And unfortunately, if you don't have a guy like an Anthony Barr to sign at this stage of the offseason, your options are probably kind of slim. And again, you're not expecting Anthony Barr to be a savior. What you're looking for right now in New Orleans is some type of depth piece because last year when Pete went down, you were very fortunate that Caden Ellis stepped up and he balled the hell out. I don't know if you have that this year, if DeMario misses time or if Pete misses time. And look, maybe it is DeMarco Jackson. If it is, awesome. But can you confidently say it? No, I can't confidently say it either. I think the kid has potential, but we got to see, right? He's got to play well in the preseason, and maybe that could lead to confidence for the regular season. But who knows? I, I just think it's a very, very tricky situation. So I'll get into some of your comments real quick before I get into the depth chart. See what you got to say there. John says Kareem Hunt would have been a big get for the running back room. Uh, yeah, he would have been. And I love that people keep saying, well, if the Saints sign Kareem Hunt, what do you do when Alvin comes back? I mean, you could figure out that problem when week four comes around, right? And I think it's pretty simple. Alvin's at the top, and everyone else kind of falls in line to figure out their role. Jamal Williams is so good in short yardage situations, you can figure that out. Kendra Miller is a rookie. You kind of see how it goes. If he comes out of the gate swinging and playing well, damn, you got to play him. And if not, you got to be patient with him. You got to develop him the right way. So, I never really was under that where it's like, ah, if you get him, how do you figure this out? Who cares, right? Like Kareem Hunt will get touches week one, two, and three. Alvin comes back. You figure it out then. And who knows? Maybe the Saints would have just been an absolute demolition derby in the ground game, which I would love to see. K-Man says the old bait and switch. Agents get paid to gain leverage for clients. That's all this was. It's possible, right? Because like we said, you know, the, the Colts kind of come out of nowhere. And like I said... No public interest, I'd say, for Kareem Hunt. I'm sure there was teams interested. Kareem Hunt's still a solid back. But you don't hear anything, and then all of a sudden, two teams in 24 hours, that was pretty quick. AI says, that's whack. Just be open and discreet. He should have used that platform to speak on running back running backs being underpaid. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, look, the way I see for running backs is, I feel this way about all NFL players, go get your money when you can get it because your career can end in just an instant like that. But for running back specifically, do whatever gets you the bag. And it stinks if it's at the Saints' expense. But if Kareem Hunt taking a visit with the Saints lands him a million dollars, two more million dollars with Indianapolis, so be it. And I'll wish him well. But yeah, it's, it's just a, it's one of those situations where it feels like a leverage play, no doubt about it. John adds, speaking of depth, they need Barr, man. Yeah, look, I don't, like I said, Anthony Barr, the days of him being that Pro Bowl, versatile, super athletic linebacker, they're gone. But his numbers in Dallas were pedestrian, and that's not a bad thing, right? Because like we said, the Saints are looking for depth at a very weak position group. And I don't think the Saints have a lot of weak position groups, but linebacker is one of them because it's one, two. You know what you get in them, but DeMario's banged up. And unfortunately, I love Pete Werner, but Pete Werner's missed a lot of time. So you do have that concern about, does that happen again? So it, it's a fair concern. And like you guys mentioned, both AI and, and John in the chat mentioning, Kate Nellis... It's a huge loss. I'm going to bring up Kate Ellis's numbers from last year really quick because this man earned a big-time job. He had 78 tackles 
and seven sacks. I mean, great in the pass rush, was playing well against the run, and this was really from, I'd say, November on when he really just took it to another level. And hopefully DeMarco's that guy next, but we got to wait and see. AI adds, I pray Carr gets the protection he needs. QB protection is vital. Totally, I think the Saints offensive line is probably going to dictate a big portion of this season. Because if those guys are humming, the QB is going to be doing well. QB does well. Everything else is going to fall into place. And since you mentioned that, let's get into the last topic here I got on this Tuesday night. Saints releasing their first depth chart of the offseason, I guess, preseason, whatever we want to chart it it down to. They released their first depth chart, and since you mentioned the offensive line, it's a perfect segue into the most notable part of the depth chart, the left guard spot. The left guard spot for the Saints, their starting left guard, it's at Andrews Pete or James Hurst. This one is not hard to read. It is very simple to me. I think Hurst has been more reliable. I think at times Hurst has been better. And if Trevor Penning's healthy, the Saints don't have to worry about sticking Hurst over at left tackle, which would be a luxury for the Saints. If Trevor Penning is getting his, his, his game on, I, I really like New Orleans this year. Like, I, I feel that way. I think if Trevor Penning looks pretty good at left tackle, my expectation for the Saints go up a dial. Maybe it's not huge for a lot of people. For me, it is. If you have a left tackle who's mauling people in the run game, super athletic, Huge. That power and speed combo is very rare to find. That would make the Saints a lot more dangerous, in my opinion. So I really, really like the way it seems like he's settling into left tackle, and that opens up the Pete versus Hurst debate. And when it comes to Pete versus James Hurst, I think it's pretty simple. It comes down to these numbers. In the last two years, Pete has played in 17 games. So 17 games played, 16 games missed. James Hurst, on the other hand, in the last two years, 33 games. 33 games in the last two years. He's not missing much time, if any. Pete's missing a whole lot of it. And sometimes football comes right down to that. Who's available on Sundays? Hurst has been available more times than not. Pete, unfortunately, has not been available an awful lot. And unlike past years where the Saints were kind of, I like to use the poker term, pot committed to Pete, because they're playing him that they're paying him that year and they're paying him the years following. It's over after this year. It's over. The Pete era will be done after this year. So the Saints aren't pot committed to Pete. They're committed to whoever's being more productive at left guard, whoever gives them the better chance of winning on Sundays, whoever is available on more Sundays. And more times than not, it's James Hurst. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think James Hurst is going to win this job. I really do. And we'll run it back on September when the starters are announced, but the fact that it is to that point where it's Peter Hurst and one of them is way more reliable and durable than the other, I'd probably go with Hurst. And again, you hope Pete's healthy and you hope Pete has a prove-it year in what has now become a contract year, but it already started off with a quad injury. So, That's the first point of the depth chart that stuck out to me, and it doesn't surprise me one bit. But again, like I said, 17 games in the last two years for Pete, 33 for Hurst. That's a huge difference, and it's hard to ignore that. The other notable part part of the depth chart, Paulson Adebo, Alante Taylor, not a shocker here, but they're listed as the second corner, second starting corner. It's Adebo or Alante Taylor. Look, I think this is a good thing for the Saints. Like the Hurst-Pete thing for me, I I really, like, I want the best man to win, don't get me wrong, 
This situation, I think Adebo and Alante Taylor are both seeing the field come Sundays. I think Alante Taylor, if he does lose, it's not the worst thing in the world because he is versatile. You can play him in the slot. You're going to play a lot of teams that want to air it out anyway, so you're going to go up against teams that have three wide receivers on the field, maybe four, so Alante's going to see time, and Alante would only enter his second year. I think Adebo, if anything, he's got to go out and win this thing because he had a terrible second year, injury-riddled, made mistakes. If he's balling, this secondary will be one of the best, if not the best, in the NFL. Because I'm, I'm saying it from now. Marshawn Lattimore is going to lock up your favorite receiver on Sundays. Now, luckily, if you're a Saints fan, you don't got to worry about it because he'll just do it during the week. He won't do it on Sundays. But week one against Hopkins, week two, uh, maybe not week two because Adam Thielen's got his number, but week three against the Packers, week four against Mike Evans, I'm taking Lattimore in, in pretty much all of these matchups. So you got Lattimore on one side. You got Tyron Matthew, who played excellent football at the end of last year in the safety spot. You hope to get a little bit better from Marcus May. If Adebo is rolling, this secondary is going to be special because I expect Delonte Taylor to do his thing this year, regardless if he wins this job or not. If Adebo wins it, that tells me something. That tells me we might, we might be getting back to the, the first year, Paulson Adebo. And if that happens, my confidence level in the secondary shoots up. So I was not surprised to see Adebo or Taylor as the other corner opposite of Marshawn. It's expected, but it's still uh, good to see the competition still on. And then the third thing that I noticed, Carl Granderson overpaid in Turner for the defensive end spot opposite of Cam Jordan. I'm not going to make much of it yet. What I will say, though, is while a lot of people will use this as a knock on Peyton Turner going, oh, he's year three, still can't be the unquestioned starter. Carl Granderson did finish the year with three sacks in the final four games, and he's been good in camp. What if that carried over? I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like, he, do, he does produce. He's got a good bend around the corner. I don't know, not the craziest thing in the world. I'd still like to see Peyton Turner get his reps. I think he will get his reps. And he's another player under pressure this year. But I, I want to see what happens with Granderson as well. Was the, was the four-game stretch an anomaly? Was it a sign of things to come? If it's a sign of things to come, hell yeah. But it's interesting nonetheless. So without further ado, let's get to other comments that you guys had before we finish up. This Thursday. So we're literally going to wrap it up with anything you guys have to say. We'll pull it up on the screen. We'll chat. And then we'll get everyone out on this Tuesday, um, August 8th. So first thing we got here from K-Man. Yeah, I'm more worried about uh, the trenches than third string linebackers and running backs. Yeah, I totally get it, right? I mean, you win games in the trenches. And I've said it a lot of times. The Saints offensive line, the health of the O-line, is going to be such a big key this year. Like the Saints D-line, does it have a lot of star power? No, I do think it's missing star power. And maybe that's the undoing of the Saints defense, not having star power on the D-line. But at least there's depth. The O-line for the Saints, there isn't a ton of star power and there isn't a ton of depth. So you need your five. And then Pete Hurst, whoever doesn't win that, there's your sixth and you're comfortable with that. But you're an injury away of being like, all right, we can't afford any more injuries because Trey Turner already went down. Throckmorton's already been hurt. So it's a little, I'd say, concerning in that regard. A.T. looking like a fourth string. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about A.T. Perry for just a, a brief second here. I think for A.T. Perry, it's very tough for him to crack the roster in terms of making an impact. You got Mike. You got Olave. You got Shaheed. You got Traquan. I know people don't want to hear it, but you got Traquan, who's going to make the roster. And then for, Ed, uh, for Perry, it's about beating out guys that are, I don't want to say proven, but they've played in this league. Keith Kirkwood, uh, Brian Edwards. 
James Washington. These dudes have played in the NFL. So it's not easy. But again, preseason for a guy like A.T. Perry is going to be huge. Hopefully he makes the most of it. Hopefully he makes the most of it for sure. And, and, and I think that it's possible. This was a highly productive kid at Wake Forest. And him and Jay Kaner have had some moments. Now you just hope it kind of comes out during the preseason. Please, God, no more Pete, bro. Yeah, so you meant uh, Pete, Andrews, Pete, you're not the only one who feels that way. I, I would actually go as far to say I guarantee you I'm trying to find a number that makes sense because 100% might be too strong. But I guarantee at least 75% of the Houdat Nation is rooting for James Hurst to win the, the left guard battle. They, they just feel like he's more reliable. And as for Pete, he's been unreliable. If Trey Turner would have panned out, I believe Pete would have been cut. Interesting. I, I don't know if I'd go that far, but Trey Turner would have put pressure on, no doubt about it. So I, I kind of agree but don't agree at the same time. Like, I don't know if he would have gotten cut, but boy, that the seat was already warm and it would get even hotter. So it's possible. We need you on the field. <laughs> oh man. I would, I would actually piss my pants trying to watch a play of me trying to block a defensive end. I, I give myself 0.1 second before I'd get pancaked right into the ground. John says, Pete Arrow is a disaster. Pete Arrow might be the most interesting era for a Saints player who wasn't flat out terrible. Because Pete's a multi-time Pro Bowler. Now, you could say Pro Bowl doesn't matter, and I would say I don't disagree with you because guys like Demario Davis don't make the Pro Bowl, yet, I, I mean, Mitch Trubisky's made the Pro Bowl before. No knock on Mitch. I wasn't trying to just, you know, throw random stray bullets at, uh, at Mitch, but it's just a weird thing. But Pete's had moments where he's looked great, and there's been moments where Pete's looked terrible. And then there's just a lot of moments where he's hurt. So it's tough. You can't be a rookie forever. Hurst has the experience. Love that battle. Yep. I, I agree with you, man. What do the top wide receivers look like? Yeah, so right now, you got Mike. You got Olave. You got Shahid. You got Traquan. And then you got Keith Kirkwood, interestingly enough. So we'll see how that goes down. Uh, Kirkwood would have to edge out James Washington, Brian Edwards, A.T. Perry, Shaq Davis, Kwan Baker, uh, Lynn Bowden, and uh, Kiki QT. I think that would be the rest of it. So... It's a long list, but Kirkwood, Washington, Edwards, A.T. Perry, those, those are kind of the guys that are hovering for that last spot, in my opinion. Peyton Turner's Marcus Davenport 2.0. Might be too early to say, but he needs to do more. He definitely needs to do more. I, I won't disagree with that. But I, I actually, maybe I'm being naive right now. I kind of feel like if Peyton Turner's healthy this year, he's going to produce. I, I just, I got that feeling. I think Peyton Turner is good enough to play in this league. I think Peyton Turner is never healthy, and it's a problem. It's a huge problem. But he's healthy right now. And I just got to hope he just kind of gets past the injury bug for a year. And if he does, he's going to make plays. K-Man says we were missing an elite pass rusher. Yeah, no doubt about it. I I think that that's why if you go back to July, early stages of July, I'd say, I was making a couple of podcasts where I was talking about Daniil Hunter and how I wanted the Saints to trade for him. Now he got a new deal. He's not going anywhere this year. The Saints are missing that guy that just makes things happen. If I go around the league right now, the top teams in the NFC all have that it factor guy on the defensive line. 49ers have Bosa. The Eagles have Reddick. The Cowboys got Parsons. Hell, even the Giants have Lawrence, who's been great. And if you don't want to pick him, you could pick Kayvon Thibodeau. Who else around the league that we're looking at 
uh, that just has dominated. Even the Rams, you still got Aaron Donald who's making plays, even though I don't expect the Rams to be a, a great team. I look at the Panthers. Brian Burns has been an ascending talent for the last couple of years. Uh, you know, even look at the Packers, what they've done with Rashawn Gary, guys like that just developing. The Saints don't have that star anymore because I think Cam Jordan's towards the decline. Cam's still a great player, though. I, I want to make that very clear. I don't think Cam Jordan is the dude that gets you 12 sacks anymore, 12 to 15 sacks like he's done in the past. I still think he gets you eight. I still think he's great against the run. I still think he's an excellent leader. But do the Saints have that defense alignment that in the playoffs can just wreck a game and turn it on its head? Eagles D-line wrecked the Niners in the NFC Championship game. Niners D-line wrecked the Seahawks, wrecked the Cowboys, wrecked a lot of teams this year. Cowboys, meanwhile, Micah Parsons sometimes looks like a one-man show. I don't know if the Saints have that. Now, I know they have depth, but do they have that guy that will wreck the opposing team's game plan? It's kind of a problem. Jack asks, who's more valuable, Hunt or Barr? I actually believe it. So, I think Kareem Hunt has better football left than Anthony Barr. I think Anthony Barr might be a little bit more valuable to New Orleans, though, because I think New Orleans, like I mentioned before, can just go get... J.D. McKissick or Leonard Fournette or Rex Burkhead or Zeke or whoever they want at running back because there are more options out there. Whereas for linebacker, if you don't get Anthony Barr, do you settle for John Bostic? Is it a Zach Cunningham? Whoever the hell it may be, the options are not as good. So that's why I'll say Barr might be a more valuable signing, but Hunt has better football left. Ryan says, I'm happy we didn't get Hunt. We need to use the money and get a veteran Pro Bowl caliber offensive alignment to protect Carr. We can't survive with Landon Young, Storm Norton, Philstrom, Throckmorton. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the problem is, where is that guy coming from? I think the Saints can hold on to that cap space, and I, and I said this Monday, and I'll say it again. The Saints, if they play it smart with the cap space, they can go into the season, overachieve early, or not overachieve, let me fix that, play up to their standards or play up to their potential, and at the trade deadline, there's a piece out there, and they can absorb the rest of their money because they have the salary cap space. And maybe that's the best way of using this cap space. But I don't think they can just go out there and get someone right now, you know? That's just the way I feel it. We need to know the names of our O-line players the same as we know the rest of the offense. Yep, I totally agree. Look, if the Saints are going to be what we want them to be, they got them all teams in the, in the trenches. Because I think the best version of the Saints, great run game, Alvin featured, Jamal's doing his thing, Taysom's doing his thing. And then Derek Carr is just shredding teams in the play-action pass game. Because Derek Carr, you want to knock him? The one thing he loves to do is push that ball down the field. He'll push that ball down the field Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Every day that ends in a Y, he'll push that ball down the field. Now, you give him a good run game. You give him a supporting defense. You give him a coach who's not Josh McDaniels. He will make things happen. He's not going to be elite. He's never going to be elite, in my opinion. But he can be damn good at times. And damn good is way better than what the Saints have had at quarterback the last two seasons. So, yeah, it, it starts with the O-line protecting their quarterback and opening lanes up for the, uh, the run game. If you do that, things will fall into place. Bois says, what do you think about the second-round defensive end we drafted? Yeah, I like Isaiah Foskey's potential. He's another guy you want to see in the preseason. In terms of the depth chart right now, I don't want to say he's buried, but he is a third stringer right now, right? Ahead of him. Peyton Turner, Carl Granderson, Cam Jordan, and uh, Tano Passanio. That doesn't surprise me at all. That doesn't concern me at all, though, because those are guys who have been in the NFL who are super talented. So I think for them, 
It makes sense for them to be ahead of him. He'll have to earn his way up. And I hope by October, November, you see him making plays. I, I, I never saw him as he needed to be that day one guy. I think he can, though. He's got to work his way up the ladder. And he's got to play well in the preseason. But he's got some good pass rushing skills, and he uses his arms pretty well. And I, I want to see that Sunday against the Chiefs. That'll be his first test. Can we cut Pete Carmichael with Pete? Look, I know Pete Carmichael gets a lot, a lot of crap. And I and I get why. But I, I just, I don't want to say I want to defend Pete Carmichael. I'll say this. All the pressure's on Pete. No doubt about it. But Pete does have a lot more weapons this year than last year. A lot more weapons. And more importantly, he has a quarterback who he's going to work better with. That's just the way it is, guys. And that's no slight on Jameis. Andy Dalton's the one who started 14 games. And the dumbest thing and the biggest lie I heard on social media this year, and this, this stupid lie is still going around on social media, there's not a big difference between Andy Dalton and Derek Carr. That is the biggest piece of shit I've ever heard in my life. And I don't, again, I don't think Derek Carr is this great quarterback. I think Derek Carr is somewhere like 14th, 15th best quarterback, whatever. Andy Dalton, at this stage in his career, is not one of the top 30 quarterbacks in the league. But yet I got people on Twitter telling me, that there's not that much of a difference between Derek Carr and Andy Dalton. That's so freaking stupid sometimes, man. And I promise you, it's still going around. Like, you see these hit pieces on the Saints, because for some reason, it's very popular to dunk on the Saints. Because the Saints don't tank. They, the Saints don't do what people think is the norm. If everyone's going east, they're going west. If everyone's going north, uh, we don't want them to go south. But if they got to go south a little bit to find themselves, they're going to do it. The Saints don't operate the way other teams operate. And it pisses people off. So then we get stupid narratives like this. I promise you, after three weeks of Derek Carr, you're going to be like, why the hell did I ever think that we could have just ran it back with Andy Dalton? I promise you. AI says, hopefully we can make room for reverse of the running backs and protect our QB uh, on play action. Absolutely. I'm telling you that's the formula. And another dumb thing I, I hear, which bothers the hell out of me, is... Well, Derek Carr had all these weapons in Vegas last year, and the Raiders stunk, and he didn't play well. That is not all this game comes down to. From day one, he did not get along with Josh McDaniels. And from day one, Josh McDaniels, once he realized the Raiders started off 0-4, whatever it was, had to find his scapegoat. And shockingly, during the end of the season, like, oh, we got to bench Derek Carr for Jared Stidham, because Jared Stidham's only been in the NFL for 10 years, but... Maybe now we'll find out that he's good. So they benched Derek Carr, who became the scapegoat. And again, Derek Carr is to blame for certain things. He played like crap against the Saints last year. Totally get it. But coaching is part of this game. So if Derek Carr gets shat on for having a bad season, does he get any credit for when the Raiders make the playoffs when their head coach has to resign in the middle of the season because he gets exposed for horrific emails? Does Derek Carr get any credit when he makes the playoffs two, uh, two seasons ago when his best wide receiver leaves the team because he gets arrested? Does, that, does he get any credit for overcoming those things or he just, he just gets dunked on when he plays poorly with a shit coach? Which one is it? That, that's just the way I see it, man. I just think it's very, very easy to dunk on the Saints. It's easy to dunk on Derek Carr. So that stuff's going to keep happening and I'll be here to keep getting animated about it because it aggravates me. We signed J.P. Holtz. What do you think about that? Uh, I mean, uh, look, the way I see J.P. Holtz is another camp guy to bring in. He A, knows the system, and B, if, if, if in terms of depth, 
I think the Saints are trying to find one more guy. I think the Saints love Juwan. I think they love Foster Moreau. Taysom Hill's making this roster anyway. And obviously, we know that Jimmy Graham would want to see him be that third tight end. But then you got guys like Jesse James. You got Lucas Kroll. I don't think it hurts to bring in J.P. Holtz. And again, teams get hurt all the time. There's a very good chance one of the three main tight ends for the Saints gets hurt this year. And you got to bring in another guy. Doesn't hurt to keep Holtz around during camp. And then you could always hit him up. It's late at night. You need another. You need another guy to come in. JP Holtz, there he is. If someone gets hurt, so uh, I, I don't hate it. It's one of those. Maybe doesn't do anything for you now, but later in the year, maybe they call JP Holtz. Jack says, speaking of the Raiders, do you see Devontae Adams being traded this year? I don't. Uh, I I don't. I, I personally think that he'll get traded next year, if anything. But Raiders are going to have to gut it out with Devontae this year, and then I think gets traded next year. And I'll give Devontae Adams three games with Jimmy Garoppolo before he's like, get me the hell out of here. Because it's not going to work, in my opinion. I don't think it's going to work. Ryan says, I can give Carmichael another year with Carr working with him. You got to, right? Look, if it does not work this year, I will be the first one to run here and tell you I want Pete Carmichael out of New Orleans. Out. Same with, same with DA, same with anyone involved in this whole thing, if this thing doesn't work. But I am okay with them running it back one more time because I think the Saints have too many guys that are still capable players who are still championship caliber players that you almost feel like you owe it to yourself to give it one last shot. And if it doesn't work, it does not work, you hit the reset button. But I don't know what people expected. Did people want a team with Alvin, with Olave, with Cam Jordan, with Demario Davis, with Pete Werner, with Tyron Matthew, with Marshawn Lattimore, uh, with Ramchek, with Eric McCoy? Did people just want them to blow it up overnight? Yeah, we're not sure if we can win. Let's get rid of all our good players. Is that what people wanted? So, yeah, let's see if Pete can get things going with Derek Carr. If he can't, Pete's time as an offensive coordinator should be over. The game has probably left him. And he could go chill with Sean Payton in Denver if it doesn't work. K-Man says Carr is just as good as Cousins. I think they're kind of in the same class. I think quarterbacks who are very similar to me, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins. Some games, you're like, damn, they look good. Other games, you're like, what the hell are you doing? And then when the dust settles and you're just chilling, you're like, you know what? You could do a whole lot worse than them. And they're good guys. They're good leaders. They all kind of fit the bill. Now, I think Dak's peak is better than those three. And I think Kirk Cousins' floor is higher than the other floors. Because Dak's floor last year was horrendous. And Derek Carr sometimes hasn't been great. So I think they're all kind of similar. And maybe best year-wise might have been Derek the year he was an MVP contender and then he broke his leg, but they're all around the same thing. Ryan says, I always see people calling us the Aints online every day. Even today, man, I'll bring up a tweet now, and I'm not knocking him. I actually think he does fantastic work. But it was Greg Rosenthal who, again, amazing, amazing pod, really smart dude. He tweets, nothing more saintsy than signing Kareem Hunt and Anthony Barr while possibly hiring John Gruden. They aren't, about, they aren't about development. They're about getting to nine wins. First off, I don't get the development part because I think a lot of the good players in the Saints, they developed. Developed Lattimore, developed Alvin, developed Michael Thomas, developed Chris Olave, developed Eric McCoy. Cam Jordan developed. Do these guys, they don't get credit? A lot of this is homegrown talent. As for the signing guys to win, as, uh, win nine games, look, first off, DA's never gone over 500 this year, so if he goes nine and eight, that's a first for everything. And second... The name of the game is to win. And 
the Saints are in a division that's for the taking with a very favorable schedule. It is what it is. And they didn't sign, they weren't trying to sign Kareem Hunt and Anthony Barr to be playing 90 snaps a game each. They were depth pieces. But the funny thing is, after these deals fell through, then everyone trolled the Saints for not getting the deal done. So what the hell did you want anyway? You were going to dunk on them if they signed someone. And then you're just going to dunk on them if the deal fell through anyway. And besides, for the record, and Jack pointed out, it's the truth, 9-8 probably wins the freaking division this year anyway. So what the hell are we dunking on? Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael are coaching for their jobs, and DA specifically is coaching for the last chance to prove that he can be head coach in this league. Because if it doesn't work now, it's never working. I promise you. I already have doubts if it's going to work anyway because DA's history tells us no. But if it doesn't happen now, it's never happening. I don't know why we need 30 tight ends. I don't know either. It's a fair question. But it's also camp. Like, half these guys are going to get cut after, you know, before week one anyway. I'll give them credit. They're going all out on getting weapons for Carr right now, as they should. As they should. The stupidest thing teams can do is not put enough weapons around their quarterback, and then the season ends, and you go, man, I wonder if we had one more weapon around them. Like, again, I'm not here to dunk on Sean Payton because Sean Payton, a lot of respect for what Sean Payton was able to do in New Orleans. But the last couple years for the Saints, the negligence towards the wide receiver position pissed me off so much. Why get a good, why get one more good receiver for Drew Brees who's got like maybe one more year left when we can just bring in another undrafted guy? That felt like the Saints uh, mentality. And it was very annoying. Spoil your quarterback with weapons. Do it. Go look at the Jaguars. I mean, Jaguars last year, everyone made fun of them. Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, did they overpay? They played well. Now they got Calvin Ridley in the mix. Get weapons around your quarterback. You got to. Who do you see getting the, the most touches with Kamara out first three games? I still probably go Jamal. But if Kendra's cooking, I don't know. I will go Jamal because I think the safe pick is Jamal. But I can see Kendra Miller being the more fun back during that three-game absence. I just think this kid's going to be special. I do. And maybe it's not the maybe it's not year one. But I think it's going to be special. Chris, go back a few comments to see what I said about Jimmy Graham and John Gruden if you're wondering what, um, wondering what Gruden's been up to. Let me go see what I missed. Where did I miss a Gruden comment? If you can bring it, just drop it back in if you can. Looks like I must have missed it before. But I'll get over to another comment that I missed here. We don't know how Penning and Ruiz is going to do coming back from surgery. Pete and Throck is already hurt, and you know Ram will probably miss a few games because he gets extra practice days off of the week. Yep, that, I mean, that's probably the, the concern in terms of O-line, no doubt about it. I, I, hard to argue there. But, yeah, I, in terms of Jimmy Graham and John Gruden, I must have missed your comment before, but I like the idea of bringing Jimmy in because Derek Carr struggles in the red zone. Jimmy can help in the red zone because, like he said, he's still 6'7". Didn't lose that part. And as for Gruden, look, I don't, Love the idea of John Gruden around because I think John Gruden messed up big time. And I can't defend that. What I will say, though, is NFL teams don't operate from a moral ground, I would say. NFL teams operate from what gives us the best chance of winning. And the Saints feel like bringing in John Gruden to work with Derek Carr gives them the best chance of winning. So that's the way they operate. Do I like it? No. Do I understand that NFL teams do this? Yes. 
Because two years ago, I mean, Deshaun Watson was the trade sweepstakes were there. And guess what? Our New Orleans Saints were right in the mix for Deshaun Watson. Because teams at the end of the day want to win. That's all they care about. And all the other stuff kind of gets brushed to the side. And I'm not saying it's right. That's why I say I can't invest too much energy into this topic because I know that's how it goes. I know guys will get second chance if people feel like they're valuable because the common goal is to win. And honestly, I know it sounds terrible. Not a lot of teams win playing the moral high ground card in this league. A lot of the teams that, I mean, one of the most explosive players in this league, you can argue, got a second chance he shouldn't in Tyree Kill. And Tyree Kill is fucking incredible. But man, uh, what's that history? It's not great. So uh, that's just the way I see it. AI says, if a ship is built correctly, put it in the water. And if it sinks, blame the captain. That's our theme this year. I don't hate it. I'm not going to say I'm stealing that line from you, AI. But that's, that's one hell of a line. And I agree. This Saints thing doesn't work out. And they're healthy. The A's gots to go. But I want to add the if they're healthy part. Because health has been a big problem for the Saints. Jack says 9-8 will most likely win the NFC South this year. DA can't win this division. He shouldn't be allowed to coach ever again. Totally agree. I believe, I believe DA will be given a chance for one more year to bring in a new OC unless the defense falls off this year. Maybe. I will say that there could be a scenario where the Saints win the, the division. Offense still isn't great, though. And they're like, man, we just got to move on from Pete. But if the offense isn't great, I don't see the defense being able to carry them because even last year, 7-10 is the high mark. And I just don't think the Saints can do 7-10 again. And the reason I say that is we just saw Brian Dayball go to New York with a Giants team that wasn't that great, didn't win a lot of games last year, and made the playoffs. So they didn't win a lot of games the previous year. Roster wasn't as talented as the Saints roster is right now. And Dayball comes in immediately, and they make the playoffs. So Saints could view it as... If DA's not getting this thing done and they don't make the playoffs and they're under 500, they can go get a guy out there and maybe they do it. And I, I know Saints fans love, absolutely love Ben Johnson, the offense according to the line. So maybe he's the guy. Who is the Saints' biggest threat to the division crown in your opinion? I will say the Atlanta Falcons. I know a lot of people are saying the Panthers. I kind of think the Panthers will have moments where they look good but it's still a rookie quarterback. I don't love the skill players around the rookie quarterback. And I, I just think Atlanta has two things going for them. I think they added a lot of veterans to the defense, so that will help. And I think Atlanta has a nasty ground game with Arthur Smith. What Arthur Smith's offense is able to do with Bijan, with Tyler Algier, with Cordell Patterson, I think that's going to be a very nasty ground game. This is where Derek Carr has got to be the X factor. Derek Carr is right now the best quarterback in the division. And he should be the best quarterback in the division by a long, long, long measure. You got Bryce, who's a rookie. You got Desmond Ritter. I have no clue if he's going to be any good. You might as well say he's a rookie too, if we're being honest. And you got Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. Don't give a crap which one starts between the two of them. Derek Carr is better. So that's where the edge has to come in. Because I really like Atlanta's ground game, and I like that Atlanta added... Defensive veterans. I think they overpaid, right? I think they overpaid for Onyemata. I think they overpaid for Jesse Bates. You could argue they overpaid for Kate Nellis. 
but they needed defensive talent. They did that. So I'm going to go Atlanta, and I would say it's New Orleans, Atlanta, Carolina, and then Tampa. And I know Bucks fans somehow always find me on Twitter anytime I don't include them in something. But they do, like, you cannot put into, I'd say, I, I say you can't really measure how much they'll miss Tom Brady until you see them on the field. And that goes for people who don't like Tom Brady. You'll see. You will see. The Bucks will be bad this year. And hopefully they're not too bad where they get Caleb Williams. Ryan says, Jimmy Graham did a 30-minute interview with McAfee today. He praised Gruden and said Gruden gave the most motivating speech he's ever heard to the team in the locker room. I got to go back and hear that. I listened to Jimmy talking about being his body being fresh, feeling good, wanting to go back to New Orleans. I'll get to that part. I'm not surprised by that comment, though, in the sense that John Gruden, if there's one thing John Gruden knows how to do, when he speaks, he's compelling. I mean, the, the, the guy was great on Monday Night Football for years. But... Of course, there's the baggage that comes with it. But that is fascinating. And that, I will say there is a pro to that. It doesn't seem like that move is rubbing people the wrong way. That's what I would get from that comment. Now, I'm going to go back and listen to it as soon as I'm done here. But I'm glad you brought that up. Jack says, there aren't many Bucks fans anymore because Brady's gone. They've moved to Kansas City. Either that or they moved back to New England. Who the hell knows? But the Bucks fans, obviously, will die down. It is what it is. But uh, I promise you, I feel like they'll be towards the bottom of the standings. Uh, anyway, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Hope you guys had a blast on this Tuesday night. If this is something you'd like to see more of, let me know. Maybe we'll do a weekly night show for you guys where we'll chat Saints and kind of get in there um, and talk whatever what you guys want to talk about. Like Ryan bringing up here that Graham said how great of a mind car is like Breeze and, and how fun it is to working with him. And I love actually hearing that because there might be things you caught that I missed during the day. And I greatly appreciate you guys bringing it up. But that's going to wrap it up for this edition. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for people who left their comments. Stay tuned for more content here at Buku Media. And as always, stay plugged in here on the Straight Up Saints podcast, the destination for the Houdat Nation. Have a great night, everyone.